Welcome to this first episode of A Cup of Common Sense. First, I wanted to talk about how the Russian fighters decided that they wanted to fuck around and find out. Seven times in August, they flew within a thousand feet of U.S. aircraft. Which is crazy. Why would they do that? Why would they try to scare us when we know that for a fact they aren't going to do anything? They're just doing these unsafe maneuvers to try to maybe alter our flight path. There have been countless of engagements like this since the Syrian war when we've been over there trying to fight ISIS. Which is crazy. You would think that by now they would know that if they were to do anything to our aircraft, to our drones, that we would respond in some way. Common sense would have you say they should stop it. But they're not. They're Russians. They're, they're going to keep doing what they're doing, increase tensions, especially now, especially now that they're getting their ass kicked in Ukraine with all these drone strikes and everything. So it's very interesting to see if we see an uptick in escalations like this over the next couple months, knowing that Ukraine is putting the punch to Russia in actual Russian territory. Top Senator Chuck Schumer on Monday said that it would be the House Republicans' fault if they were to go into another partial shutdown and God knows how long. You know, the, it seems like every other year they're doing a shutdown or a partial shutdown. But it's just crazy to me that the Democrats are not placing the blame on Republicans for the shutdown. Don't get me wrong. There are very hard right-leaning members of the House that do have high demands when it comes to spending. But why... And that's what I don't understand, is that why would the Democrats keep on just targeting the Republican Party as a whole. They need to target whoever is going to be the ones that are going to be holding up the vote or making sure that the vote doesn't pass. It's one of those things where we see time and time again, Republicans and Democrats on both sides of the aisle bickering and clamoring over spending, when in all reality... Spending should be a simple, very, very simple task. Focus on defense, focus on infrastructure, hash out the rest later. We'll have to see if this shutdown actually does happen. Because now that we're in the election season, coming up with all these debates and all of everything that's going on, we're going to see more push comes to shove when it comes to ideas that are different from each other's parties. So I'm very wondering if this is going to be the case. And if we do have a shutdown, how long is it going to be? I do believe that some of these hard right-leaning Republicans are going to stick to their guns this time. You see that when they gave in last time with other spending deals, that they kind of bit them in the butt with what they were saying. So I do believe that 
if we go into a shutdown, it's going to be for a hot minute. It's going to take them a while to get something that is plausible. Now, a short-term spending bill is possible. I do think that they could come up with something short-term to keep the government open. But why would you do that? Why, why keep on kicking the goddamn can down the road over and over and over again? It's ridiculous. Sit down, do your job that was appointed to you in that you are supposed to go into the Capitol building, hash out your differences, and pass, pass a spending bill. It's not hard. Every day, American citizens like myself, my family, my friends, sit down, know what they have to spend, know what they can spend, and then they go along their daily path. Why can't the government do that? Why can't the government say, this is what we want to spend, this is what, how, how much we have to spend, and this is what we agree on, this is what we disagree on, how can we come up with bipartisan agreements? It's ridiculous that we as American citizens have to sit and watch our government struggle to do the simplest of tasks. Speaking of tasks, Senator Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican, once again had one of his instances where he froze up at a news conference. This man is 81 years old and freezes up like that. I tell you what, I, I just cannot believe that we have some of these people in office that don't know when to step down that don't know when to call it quits. Now, his doctor said he was fine. He was able to go back out and do whatever he needed to do. But why are we even second-guessing ourselves on this? Imagine if you had a grandparent or someone that you looked up to that was older, and they were talking to you, and all of a sudden, they just went, oh, and froze up. Didn't say anything. And you had to take them to the doctors. Wouldn't you be so worried about that person's health? One, it's a coincidence. Two, it's a treading pattern. So it's one of those things where should people, you know, ask him to step down? And if he were to step down, who would take his place? So you you have all these questions that kind of like he's a very prominent member of the party. He has so much history, and I'm sure he's done great for what he stands for. But at a certain point, you have to look at it and go, okay, it's, it, he isn't representing his people to his fullest ability. You know, I read something that said Nikki Haley, which she is a Republican candidate for the presidential party, said that the Senate is the most privileged nursing home in the country. And I love that. I absolutely love that. Because it's not only Mitch McConnell, it is other members of the party in the House, in the Senate, that have had these health issues and you're like why are they still in office you're being pushed around in a wheelchair you are having these major health issues why would you want to keep on serving shouldn't your health come first and it just makes you realize the kind of system that we have in place that we can't just have normal people doctors lawyers farmers teachers serving our country 
you have these people, these politicians that have been there the whole entire life that cannot just let go. They can't let go of what they've had. They can't let go of the past. And it's showing through. It's really showing through when it comes to these issues and these controversies. They really need to figure out what's important. I'm not saying older people shouldn't run for office because I believe that at any age you should be able to run for office. But I do believe that you should be able to run and be able to uphold the values of other people and what you swore into in the House or the Senate. And I don't think they're doing that when they are acting like that and they're freezing up and they're having these health issues. Next, I want to talk about the Democratic National Convention that overly approved kicking out New Hampshire and Iowa as the first two stops for for the primaries in the next presidential election, replacing them with likes of Nevada, Georgia, Michigan, and South Carolina. It's very interesting to see you have these long-standing, over nearly half a century old law that mandates New Hampshire being the first presidential primary a week ahead of any similar states being kicked out of that spot for just being a state that has majority of white voters. You have to stop and think, why would you do that? Regardless if there's Hispanic voters or black voters or white voters, if you have a century-old adage of, hey, we're going to have the state first, and then take that away just because you want a state that has more Hispanic voters or more black voters. Now, I will say that New Hampshire and Iowa both didn't vote very well for Biden when it came to his primary. So maybe this is a revenge. Maybe this is something that he's going off of saying, hey, if I can't have it, no one can. So it's interesting to see, you know, South Carolina as a state that's going to be first. Now, I know Republicans haven't changed anything with their primaries in the states that they're going to have to be voting first. Is this going to make a difference in Joe Biden's re-nomination as the Democratic Party? No, not at all. But it's going to have everlasting effect when it comes to future parties. And it might leave a bad taste in some people's mouths when it comes to the actual presidential you know, voting. Now, New Hampshire has this law where it says it has to be the first when it comes to the primary. Now, what's going to happen to the state if they don't ratify this deal when it comes to the Democratic National Convention? They say they're going to take delegates away and they were going to do this and that if they don't ratify it. And I don't see them doing that. Neither do I see Iowa playing well with this you know, Democratic National Convention. So it'll be interesting to see here in the next month or two if anything comes of this or if maybe somehow they come to their senses and they say, okay, New Hampshire and Iowa, you are going to be the first states to vote in the primary. So it'll be interesting to see if this does change the playing field when it comes to the presidential campaign or even if it changes in the future when the next president president comes in ahead and tries to get the delegates out of those states. Now, let's talk about a topic that everyone loves to talk about, Donald Trump. 
the federal courts decided that they were going to put the trial right before Super Tuesday. And if you don't know what Super Tuesday is, it's the primaries and picking who the candidate is going to be for the Republican Party. And it has, you know, big states like California, Colorado, Tennessee, Texas, Vermont, Virginia, you know, just to name a few. So it's huge. It's a huge turning point. So the question is, how is this going to affect the campaign, the debates, and how is it going to affect the voters? Now, I know that most voters vote ahead. They vote early. They do mail-in, mail-in ballots. That has seen, seemed to be the trend since COVID. So is this trial going to change people's minds ahead of that? I don't think so, but it keeps Donald Trump off the campaign trail. It keeps him in a courthouse the day before, you know, the Super Tuesday. There are states that vote before this. So you might see Donald Trump leading in those states by heavy numbers, and you might see actual candidates dropping out before Super Tuesday even happens. So it'll be interesting to see if this leads to any changes or if a candidate decides that they want to hold on a little bit longer because of this. Now, I don't see this affecting Donald Trump's numbers at all. If anything, it's going to raise his numbers. He's raised like... On the last indictment, he raised over $100 million in one day because of this. He's using this to better his campaign, better his funding. So personally, not going to affect him. But it will affect how other candidates state in the race. And if candidates are going to stay in there longer than they would have if this wasn't going to be happening. The next thought I have is, if you have a trial of your political opponent a day before a big primary, is that election meddling? It's a question you have to start thinking is that these trials and all these things going on, are they trying to meddle or influence the campaign or the election in any way? In my head, I would say yes. I, I, like if, if I'm a voter... What I want to see is a speedy trial. I want to see the evidence get out there. I want to be able to see whether Donald Trump is guilty or he's not guilty. Personally, I think he's not guilty, but we'll let the courts decide that. That is something for them to decide and give us the information. So why don't they keep pushing this off and having these trials and dates, days before big events or debates? So it's very interesting to see if... This comes out in later years, whether this was election interference. We see that we had so-called Russian election interference during you know, the Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton and Trump trials. So it's whether you agree with Trump or not, that is your own opinion, own verdict. Make your own decision. Make your own educated decision. That's what I will tell everybody and anybody. Make your own you know, perceived of what is going on by your own terms. Don't let another person tell you how you should think or should feel. Look at the evidence, see how it is. 
And I think that's what you're going to see when it comes to voters in this primary. I think voters are going to vote for Donald Trump, and you're going to see candidates dropping out left and right. That's it for my first podcast of A Cup of Common Sense. I hope you listened all the way through and you enjoyed. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, reach out to me, and I'll see you at the next podcast. Thank you.